Welcome to the Small Jar Podcast, where we moms of teens find the power to step off the emotional roller coaster between motherhood and the empty nest. I'm your host, Jennifer Collins. Episode number 62. I am so excited to welcome you to the podcast this morning, Esther. Thank you so much for joining the Small Jar Podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited about this. We had a conversation last week and I fell in love with you. So there's oh, that. The feeling is mutual. Well, let me introduce you. Esther Joy Getz is a influencer in the space of mom with teens and big kids. She is the creator behind Moms of Bigs. And I'm so excited. I've been following her for some time. If you haven't followed her already, you have to follow her because she just is such a source of inspiration. And her motto is giving our big kids, teens and young adults, the roots of love and the wings of freedom to be completely themselves, which I feel like is so in alignment with the work I do in the small jar. And so I just thought it would be wonderful to have you here and just kind of share your perspective. You've been doing this a little bit longer than I have. And I'd love for you to tell us more about kind of how you got into this work. Yeah, so I got into this work because, believe it or not, I have four grownish and flownish kids, as I like to say. They're kind of scattered all over the place right now. But my daughter actually was the prompter of all of this. She said to me, Mom, you know, I am amazed that based on how I grew up, that you've been able to be a really good mom to us and you have a lot of wisdom to share. And so she said, why don't you do X, Y, Z? And I was like, I don't know. That's crazy. And I love to write. And so I am more of an author. I do like to speak on podcasts. I do love to influence. That's kind of probably, I think I always have like three top things. And somehow the value of influence is really big for me. Not having agendas, because that's very different than just coming alongside almost like a midwife. helping people know when to breathe, when to push, but also helping them to understand their own story. Right. So I sort of view myself as like a mom to the other moms and that's sort of who I am. So she started it all off and I just tried it. I put in a, an application for an, an article to a very large online magazine. It was published and it sort of exploded from there. So awesome. It's really, really cool. Well, I loved finding you in my work in this space. And one thing that's come up quite a bit with the women I've worked with, and I've noticed in some of the work that you've talked about as well, is that it's surprising how this is such a common experience, this transition for us when we're struggling with our teens as they pull away, and then we're preparing for them to leave the nest. This is such a common experience for us as moms, but we're not talking about it. And so many women feel alone. And so it's refreshing to find other women who are out there publicly talking about the fact that it isn't easy and that there are resources. So what have you seen in terms of, you know, the women who have reached out to you and your journeys through this about why maybe we're not talking about it? Yeah, I call these years the underground years. That's kind of funny that you ask that because I've actually written a whole thing and talked quite a bit about these underground years because when the kids are little, right, you're at the bus stop, you're on the sidelines, and there's a lot more freedom to talk about hard stuff. And there's tons of people in that space. And then as the kids get older, rightly so, you're hopefully respecting their privacy and you're not just blabbing about them all over social media. But at the same time, it gets more difficult. And so you have this right idea, hopefully, of protecting your own kids and their budding adulthood and their independence. But you have the pushback and the grief that goes along with the transition and not really knowing what to do, whether this is good or not, whether you're being a good mom. You don't really have, I don't think we ever have control, but you lose the absolute illusion of control. In these years, it becomes very apparent that you don't have any control. So I think those, like we kind of sneak underground and we feel really alone. And I also think that that plays into this whole grief process. We don't have anybody to grieve with alongside. We feel completely alone. So I want to come into that space and say, hey, you're not alone at all. We can speak from our own mom stories while at the same time really respecting our kids. Absolutely. It's our story anyway. And we only always need to start with ourselves. Yes. And so there's really good tools out there. There's people like you that are doing that. And I just kind of feel like 
I don't have all the resources. I can't create every resource. So I kind of want to be like, I say like the match.com. Here's all these moms. Here's all these resources. Let's see how we can help people see what resources. I do provide some resources, but of course, I mean, I'm just one person. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's such a beautiful way to think about it. I mean, I think you're right. It's the problems become really big. And, you know, everything from sex and drugs to just, you name it, the problems become so big and and it, it's our kids' private business. But it's also, I think I've found in, with a lot of women I work with, it feels like a reflection on us if our kids are doing something that, to be frank, we're like a little embarrassed or ashamed that somehow we couldn't prevent it or we couldn't help them through it because we so view our role as keeping them safe and keeping them happy. I mean, even if our kids are suffering from depression or anxiety, it's almost like we want to help them and we have love and compassion for them, but we don't really have compassion for ourselves because we're beating ourselves up as if it's our fault or that we've done something wrong, I think. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I always say like with the whole safety thing, our job as moms, I've had to flip that on its head a little bit where we give them as much safety as we can while providing freedom as much as we can. And there's that always battle of safety and freedom from when they're teeny tiny to all the way where safety really has to take a back seat to their freedom. I, I just think that's healthy. That's the most healthy way to live, even for ourselves, right? It's not that we don't want them to be safe. We absolutely do. But that's why my second half of my tagline is the freedom to be completely themselves. And that's not easy any which way. That's not easy for them. That's not easy for us. But that is key, right? They are not mini-me's. That, oh, that just drives me bananas. When people are like, oh, my goodness me, they went to the same college, they love the same stuff. And yes, are they going to take on some of the things genetically? Of course, but they are responsible to be themselves. And so are we. Back to your point about us, we need to give ourselves the roots of unconditional love and the wings of freedom for us to be ourselves. And until we do that first, we're not really going to be able to do that for our kids. And so, I mean, I'm constantly I'm thinking like, how am I loving myself well today? How am I accepting right where I am as a mom, as a woman, as a friend, as a partner, as a worker, as a you know business person? How am I doing that? And then also, how am I providing to give myself the wings of freedom to be completely myself? When that transition happens, it's very sticky. What is our role? What are we doing now? Who are we? Apart from being their mom, I mean, a lot of us have jobs and careers and spouses and whatever, but we tend to, I don't know if it's evolution, I'm not quite sure it is. We tend to we prioritize put that on the back burner. Yeah, and these people become front and center, probably rightly so, but then it needs to shift again back yeah. to, oh my gosh, one whole self as an adult is in relationship with another whole self as an adult. And that's where I always say, keep the long view in mind. Your long view is you want to have a healthy relationship between two adults going forward. Yeah. Because that's the thing that's going to last for a lifetime. I mean, that's with everybody in your life, Yeah. right? That's with every relationship that you have. But somehow these kids that we've birthed, it's way more to us and oh probably God. rightly so. Well, and I think it comes back to this whole concept of of responsibility. It's like yeah. ride or die, we're going to keep them happy and make them be happy, keep them safe. And I think it's really interesting the point you made before about safety taking a backseat to freedom. Tell me a little bit more about what you've seen in terms of the ideal transition there, because I can imagine people listening thinking safety should never take a backseat to freedom. But I, I hear what you're saying that at some point, I mean, you you quite literally can't keep your adult children safe anymore. They're going to do what they're going to do. Right. And so, you know what, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I will put this one caveat. We are always supposed to be emotionally safe. Yeah. for our kids, right? Like that's something I work really, really hard on that I am just a safe person in general, that I am, I don't have judgment or agendas that they can come to me with anything. That I think is huge. That is what we are responsible for ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. I heard this one thing about what we are, re we are responsible not for our children as they grow. We are re always responsible to our children. There's a big difference being responsible for them and to them. And that is, again, 
us working on ourselves so that we are responsible to them. And that changes absolutely from when they're little. We are responsible for a lot of things in their life. But in the end of the day, we are responsible to them to be the kind of person that they want to be with, to be a safe person. So back to that safety freedom. On the flip side, we are responsible for their physical safety until they become responsible for their physical safety. And my kids, the biggest mantra we always had at our house, and my kids just say this to me still, you take care of yourself and your stuff and you'll never hear a word from me. Like you are responsible for yourself. But of course, when they're teeny tiny, they can't take care of themselves or their stuff. But soon they can tie their shoes and zip up their coat and they're responsible for their homework and like brushing their teeth. And so there's this baby step transition, right? Where we move into responsibility for, into responsibility too. And so the safety thing does as much as we can possibly do safely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get into really big issues, alcohol, drugs, sex. I mean, we name it uh, mental health issues. When do we pull back? When do we push forward? And again, like I view myself like I do that with everyone in my life, right? When do I help? When do I not help? What's too much? What's too little? It it takes a lot of wisdom to know. And we're going to do it. We're going to so screw this up. 100%. I mean, I'm still screwing it up with my grownish kids. And the good news is my own daughter is like, hey, you know, I've been in counseling now and you're actually helping too much on this. And could you just take a back seat? And And I'm like, oh, God. True, true. You know, and I have to listen and I have to respect all of that stuff, which is good. And I'm still in process. We're still always learning how to do this well. This is right. It is hard this work. Is not like, oh, no, Esther's doing it all well. Well, if you talked to my daughter last week, and I think I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago in my email, I was like, uh, I screwed up again. And I took too much of a, on of a helping role. And I want her to be safe because in the end of the day, what's going on? I'm afraid. 100%. Which is why I love when we when we met last week, you were like, it all comes down to us. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it really, I think it takes such an incredible self-awareness to be able to let your child fly and let them to start to take the driver's seat. And I think even as you were describing this, you be in charge of you. And as long as you're able to do it, you take that responsibility. But I think so many of us moms also have such a strong opinion about what that should look like, how our kids should take responsibility for themselves. And you have to know your own mind in terms of what kind of expectations you're putting on your child that may or may not be any way in line with what they want for their own lives. And I think, you know, we're so used to modeling what responsibility and and being a good person looks like, but at some point our kids have to take that on themselves. And it may not exactly look like what we want for them, at least not in this time. I mean, particularly not in this time where I've noticed that kids really want to push against us. And sometimes that looks like doing the opposite of what we want because they're trying to figure out whether or not we're right. And I think that's a really important thing is what if I have something to learn from my kids? What if I'm wrong? Yeah. What if actually they're right about their own life? And perhaps they are. And our goal is that we want them to learn how to trust themselves, right? We want them to learn how to trust their gut, trust themselves, trust their intuition and not be dependent on us. That's not healthy. Them being dependent on themselves, trusting themselves. And I think it gets very sticky when we can use all kinds of terrible tools to get our way. And what it comes down to is, like you said before, we're regulating our emotions through our kids, our fear, mostly our fear, mostly our fear, mostly our fear, our feeling that all is well inside, which is coupled to our fear. I mean, I just think like if we can deal with our own issues, and it really is a lot of times calming and I'll use a really brainiac word, our amygdala down. Moms are just giant amygdala walking around. It's like a joke, right? We're just like, oh my gosh, this is threatening. This is threatening. This is threatening. This is threatening, right? We've we've done that since they were born. Totally. And then we're needing to learn to regulate that. Oh, maybe I need to process this with a friend and have her speak into it or my partner, not my kid. Not my kid. And that's why I say like, oh, those underground years, we need to find people like, that are safe for us, that won't judge us as a mom. Like even just putting myself vulnerably out on social media, 
the amount of people that have come to me and been like, you say you screw up and you don't say, and you're not, you're not acting like you're perfect. I'm like, how could anybody? And that's, we're human. And so when we're not perfect, and I said to my daughter, oh my gosh, you're so right. This is so ridiculous that I just did that. I sent her a long text about what I thought she should do. Then two minutes later, I was like, oh my gosh, ridiculous. Take all this away. Stop this from happening. Disregard this. And I had to backtrack. Yeah. And it's okay because then guess what? When she's really screwing up and she does in our relationship too, all my kids do, I do, every person in any relationship screws up. It gives them permission to be human Yeah, and imperfect. And I don't think we can model anything better than being human. We screw up. We're human. It's part of it. We're a beautiful, giant, beautiful mess. But wow, you're allowed. No perfection needed. No mistakes can be made. We're never too late for what I'll use a fancy word called like restoration or redemption. We're never too late for fixing our relationship with our kids. I don't care how old they are. Yeah. We're never too late. Well, and it just goes back to starting with yourself because I think sometimes people think fixing the relationship means that the teenager has to change. They have to get in line and, you know, they have to apologize or whatever it is. And, you know, it's so interesting too. You mentioned, you know, we need, we need to kind of process these feelings with somebody other than our kids. And one interesting thing that I found, particularly with my clients is, and, you know, I see this in my own friendships as well, that if you're going through something difficult and you go to a friend and you're, you you have that close confidant that you can share with, what they typically do is validate your feelings, right? And they'll say like, yeah, that's so hard. And they kind of also agree with your story about what's happening, right? So, you know, if a child is messing up or they're being unsafe or that sort of thing, your, your friend's going to absolutely say, yeah, what are we, that's terrible. I'm so sorry you're going through this, which on the one hand, I think, is it's obviously nice. Like we love feeling validated. It's nice to be able to share those things. But I think then what you lose out on is that reflective, like, why am I looking at this situation in a way that's bringing me pain? You know, why, why am I creating this fear? And sometimes that fear is very valid, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if there is risks, I mean, sometimes we have to process our fear, mm-hmm. but there are other times where we create fear in a place where we don't need to. And so I think that what I found such, and and from myself in my own life, I mean, I absolutely am not perfect. And so I've come to this work because of needing coaching to help me kind of process all of these negative emotions I've had and and address my own dysregulation around parenting and my fear because controlling my kids and getting them to be who I want them to be just wasn't working for me. Wasn't working well, we for them. Wasn't working right. for me. <laughs> well, we can't control them, right? And I, I think the opposite of love is control. I do. I think the 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 tandem, the things that work hand in hand, are love and freedom, right? Roots and wings. Yeah. Um, and then control is just you know that doesn't that doesn't work. Number one, you cannot control somebody. I mean, you can. You could hold a gun to their head, I guess, but that's not healthy. And if we want a long lasting relationship with our kids when they're adults not based in fear, guilt, manipulation, some of the ways perhaps that we were parented, even the way society says, you know, oh, they're my family. I talked to a therapist one time and she said, if I could get rid of um, four words, I would lose 95% of my clients. And they were these, but they're my family. And we never want to put that on our kids. But I'm your mom. But I'm the but I'm your family. I'm your blood. And that's very cultural. Let's face it. I mean, I live in the Northeast. That is a big deal here in the Northeast. Family is a very big deal in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> and I think everywhere. I just think that's an American cultural thing. And yes, it's so valuable because it is where we get our start. But in the end of the day, and I think in this coming generation, Chosen family is a really big word right now. And I want my kids to choose me of their own free will. I want to be their chosen family, not their obligation. Because who wants to really, I know, I'll know deep down in my heart, like, oh, they're only here because they're obligated to be here. That doesn't feel good to me. I want to be loved because other people have chosen that. And if we want to shift from that old mindset into a mindset of where teens and young adults are right now, the word chosen family is a pretty big one. Yeah. And we, I'm happy to welcome that. I'm absolutely happy to welcome that because yes, I choose them and they choose me. And then we're all in a place where we're making decisions based in love and 
um, freedom. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's fantastic. I'm so happy about that. And so I, I have this big thing that you and I talked about last week called Invite Not Demand. We want to be an invitational place where we're I just sent a text to my my daughter who lives all the way in California. I live on the East Coast. And I said to her, have you thought more about coming, what you're doing for your brother's 30th birthday? Because he's turning 30. I'm like that old. And I was like, have you thought more about that? I just need to know. Either way is completely fine, honey. I just want you to know your siblings are coming. Everybody will be there. And I want you to know that, hey, because you're doing this, we'll pay for your flight. Obviously, the invitation comes with some money because she doesn't have a lot of it because she's really little still. So, and she's just starting out in her career. And I think like, okay, that's invitational, but no guilt, no like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be there. You know, if you don't come, your brother's going to be so upset because he's responsible for his own feelings. And she's not responsible for his feelings. Mm-hmm. She's responsible to him, but not to be a nice person. <laughs> yeah. And But she's also not responsible for him. So then it just, you know, you're doing all this bad modeling and then good and then saying you're sorry and then hopefully good modeling. <laughs> Well, and what you're describing, I think, is like the gold standard of where I think we have the opportunity to get to, where we have a relationship that's open with our kids, where we're inviting them, there's no guilt, but there's also a presumption on our part that everyone's going to choose. And because of that open relationship, typically they're going to choose to come, right? And so I think that you create this beautiful symbiotic relationship when that's what you're modeling, that's you're with a true heart, you're saying come or don't come, obviously would love to have you, but there's no guilt involved. And I also work with clients and frankly have been through my own journey in terms of the pain when a child really is pushing you for for a time, for a season, pushing you out of their life in big and small ways. And certainly, you know, teenagers have a really, it's like they hand out a manual when kids turn 16 and it's all of a sudden mom sucks and, you know, it's everything is an eye roll. And but, you know, our kids can also meet partners or go in directions that really, for a season, again, make us feel as if we're being dismissed or cut out of their life. And I've worked with a lot of clients where there's so much pain and grief involved in recognizing that our kids are making choices, like big choices that seem different from what we want and seem to exclude us from their lives for a period of time. And so one of the things I think is so helpful to know is that that grief and that transition to college too comes with some of this grief. It's a natural transition and our kids are leaving not because they're rejecting us, but just because that's the next season of their life. And so there is, I think, a clean type of pain that we experience when we go through these transitions. But then I think that there's an additional pain that we layer on top of that sometimes when we make those transitions mean something about us, you know, when our kids are making different choices and that they're rejecting us. And I think the more we can become aware of the way we're viewing the situation and creating that pain for ourselves, that's actually just compounding the grief. You know, that I think is where opening yourself up to the self-awareness really does build the foundation for what you're talking about, which is, you know, the inviting, not demanding relationship. Because You can always be connected with your child, even if they don't ever want to see you again. You have a relationship with them in your mind. You love them forever. And if you keep that open heart, they will come back to you, hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, yeah. And I guess I would say one of the things I think we do need to reflect on at times, and this is what happened to me, and I love the teenage years because of it is it is a time for self-reflection. And we do have to check in with ourselves whether or not we are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, why doesn't my kid want to be with me? Is it the normal transition that they're absolutely supposed to be doing? They cannot be themselves. Glennon Doyle, I don't know if you know who she is. She has, uh, we can do hard things. She says, I have to be a disobedient daughter in order to be a good mother. It was like, and Mm -hmm. I just think we all have to be disobedient at some level um, to our parents. And I, I think that's like, I'm I'm still being disobedient at times to what my parents want. (laughs) I just think like, that's the part of self-actualization, self-realization. Who am I? That's the question everyone's asking from the time they're born. Who am I? Not who am I in relationship to you? Who am I all by myself? So we do have to reflect on, is this the normal part? And then you're right. 
if it is the normal stuff, like my son didn't want to eat dinner with us his entire junior year, <laughs> like literally got his license because he was older. Um, and in New Jersey, you don't get your license till you're 17, but he got it in September of his junior year, first driver out of all of his friends. And so he was like, this is great. I'm out. I'm on my own. And all we said was, hey, if you eat home, it's free. And if you don't eat home, it's not free. And then when once he, I was like, have attitude, go out, you have your license, it's exciting. I think he spent more money on food that year, but he wanted to be with his friends. Very normal, very normal. The only boundary I put was we're not paying for this. I'm buying food, whatever. Yeah. And in the end of the day, he ate home more than we thought because he, he ran out of money. Perfect. Natural <laughs> consequence. <laughs> And it was not anything emotional. It wasn't like I was like, you have to, we're eating dinner at seven and you better be here. It was like, yeah, I had to walk through my own grief, normal grief. Wow, this is weird, but it doesn't mean he's re rejecting me at all. It's just normal versus if I had been like, you have to eat dinner with us. This is how it, I'm going to lay down the law you can't go out with your friends. I, you can't use the car, all that unbelievable nonsense that we tend to cling to. Like, what can I do to control them to do what I want? And that wouldn't have worked anyway. He would have just snuck. He would have just made up lies. He would have done all those things instead of like, have fun with your license. Yeah. <laughs> Go spend all your money. <laughs> and it was, it was great. And guess what? This is the same kid now. That's like, can I come home for my big birthday? Can you plan a party? Can we have all my friends that I haven't seen in a while? Can I be with you guys? When are you guys coming to visit? And there's just no issue. And I thought that kid, I mean, that kid was rough for us. That was the kid I grieved the most about. Mm -hmm. I was out of my mind, afraid. I wasn't sure if he'd be president or in prison. And I, you know, like, I, I think you can be both at this point, but, yeah. I, but I, <laughs> I don't know. Like I just, I had to work so hard. Talk about the kid that called out my all my issues. Yeah, hundred I mean, percent. Talk about the kid that sent me the therapy. Hundred percent. You know, I mean, I actually think that when I first started having kids, I mean, I was I started late. I was in my early thirties, but I don't think I really knew who I was then. You know, I had like I had continually pursued. A, okay, go to college, check find a husband, check. Now it's time to have baby, you know, a career, babies, check, check, check. And I was constantly seeking validation in that next step, right? Validation that someone wants me, validation that I have kids. And then your kids seem to give you validation because, you know, they do super cute things and they tell you they love you all the time. And so it's so easy to think like, oh, I'm such a good mom. And we think that all of that val validation is coming from outside of us. And so I almost feel like, I mean, I love your, your talk about how the teenage years just, it's like this actual beautiful time where all of your stuff comes up. And it may be the first time, at least it was in my life, the first time where I was like, wow, who am I really? Not in relationship to other people, not in relation to a career or my husband or my girlfriends. Who am I and what are, what am I making my life mean? in a way that's great and a way that's making me feel miserable. I think the more we start to look internally, the more empowered we are to create these beautiful relationships that we that you've created with your family over time. <laughs> I mean, I think it's such an important message. Yeah, I hear you. And I, I so agree with that idea that the teenagers are at a time where all of a sudden all the stuff that and I don't like the word trigger. I've trying to change that word yeah. to awaken. What is this really? Because then that's like, I can listen to it instead of squelch it. Yeah. I think a lot of times you're like, you're so triggering to me. Oh my gosh, that's so triggering. And we're like, let's, you know, dismiss that. And I like to view it as what am I, what am I bringing invited into? What am I, what's awakening in me that needs to be addressed? What do I need to reflect on? What do I need to look at? And then guess what? The only person that's from birth to death for us is ourselves, mm -hmm. right? I'm till death to us part. That's what's true. My kids are going to grow and go. That's important. They should. It's really great. But I am going to take myself with me from when I was born till when I die. And I have no control over who comes and goes in that process. And I think, oh, wow. Okay. 
then I better like being with myself and be a person that I want to be with. Not that I'm isolated because I'm really big on community. That's why I've created this space, right? I'm not talking about isolation. I'm not talking about being an island. I'm only, you know, it's all about me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making sure that I like myself. I know myself. I love myself, I care for myself, and then I can bring my best self as a gift to whoever I'm with in my small world, maybe into the larger world, wherever I land and wherever I fall. So that that hopefully will be given to my kids. I, I think that's what's happening. I think that's what we're trying to do. That's why I want them to be their whole selves. That's why the freedom part, the safety part, maybe I would make it so safe. You can't go to college anywhere more than half an hour away. What if they're supposed to? Yeah. I have no idea what they're supposed to do. What if they're the next person that finds the cure for cancer? What if they're the next person who, you know, makes a difference in the lives of kids who need clean water in Africa? I'm, that's not my call. Right. But one other thing I did want to touch on that you said is we are allowed to grieve. Right decisions that our kids make are still going to cause our grief cause us to grieve. My daughter moved all the way to California. Like I said, I was so sad. I mean, I missed her. Like, I don't even know my baby. I missed her. She moved there at 19. I just was a wreck. I was like, I, what happened to those three or four other years of the in and out time? That was her path. That's been her journey. Now, of course, she's like, I to New York for a couple of years. I'm like, okay. But the grieving is good. What if they make the decision to spend a holiday with their spouse or their partner's family? That's happened to me. And I've been like, I get it. I did that. I've had to make those decisions. What you're making, the decision you're making is right. And I can still be sad about it. Yeah. I can still miss you. And you. And I learned that from my husband's mother. She was like, Esther, when you guys aren't here, I miss you terribly. But I've learned to be content with who I actually am with. And I'm like, okay. It's so, and so, so beautiful. And that's exactly, you know, that second part of your tagline. It's accepting your children for exactly who they are. It's just, there's, first of all, there's no other choice, right? They're going to be who they're going to be. And the only part that we're hampering ourselves from when we think it should be different is that we can't accept the beauty of what is. And I think that that really does, if you think about anyone in your life, and we all probably have that one person who had high expectations of us, who always let us know that we disappointed them. And we typically didn't want to be around that person because, you know, you, you feel like no matter what you do, it's not good enough. Do we really want to be that for our children? Like, can we be, whether you're thriving, whether you're broken, whether you're anything in between, hurt, like, I want to be the safe place for you to come back to. And in order to be that, you really do have to just know whoever they are. Like you maybe are the only person in their life who can accept them unconditionally. I mean, hopefully not the only one, but at the top of the list, right? <laughs> right. That's our responsibility to them, right? Yeah. To be the safest person that we can possibly be. I have like a little meme that says, I don't just want to be the mom my kids love. I want to be the mom my kids love being around. And I can only speak to my own adult experience with my mother-in-law. She is, you know, not doing well now. And I'm making every effort to be with her because she lights up when I walk in the room. She always has accepted me unconditionally, loved me unconditionally, and yet she's always made me feel like I have the freedom to be completely myself. Who doesn't want to be around that person? Everyone wants to be around her in her whole life. And her kid, like my husband is a wreck because his mom is, you know, really struggling. He wants to be around his mom. So I can speak into, man, I'm in my early fifties and I'm the, per I'm like, still have a mother and still have a mother figure as that I want to be around. My husband's mother is a mother to me. Like, I don't want her to go. And that's been such a modeling to me. That's what I want. And it's my choice. It's upsetting to me that I can't be with her more. Mm. Not this like, oh my gosh, we have to go visit your mother. And it's so right. that this is a mother-in-law. I mean, talk about you I know, know, what a, great... a powerful model also because- we will all, you know, God willing, be mother-in-laws as well to our kids' spouses. And so how do we model that? Because it's not just accepting unconditionally our own children. It's accepting unconditionally the partners they choose in their life. And 
if you want to be a place where they come back, how do you allow them to be who they are? And guaranteed, they are going to make choices that you don't like. I mean, let's just assume that's the case, but you don't get an opinion. And you You can have a different opinion, but at the end of the day, they get to be who they want to be. And can you love that unconditionally? I think that is just So the goal, but again, requires such a sense of self-awareness of, I can have an opinion that I want it to be different, but I'm going to let that go because that opinion is less important than them being who they are. Well, I think about your idea of bringing it back to ourselves. I don't even agree with my own opinions from five years ago. Mm, I don't even agree with my former self. Or and I, my future self's probably looking at me like, oh my gosh, you know. And so I think so if we can unconditionally love ourselves and be tender with all of the opinions we've had, right and wrong, about our own lives, like I think about what I thought was going what meant to be a good mom when my kids were little versus what I think now, and I'm like, oh, whoa, okay, I better hold that carefully and tenderly with grace <laughs> and like understanding. But I'm like, wow, like giving space for our kids to like have their opinions that may shift and change as they go along. And that's what the beauty of opinions are. And that's the beauty of making mistakes and being human is they might make a decision that they will change in five months. We've seen that so much, I'm sure, with our kids' partner choices. I mean, most people don't marry the person they're in a relationship with when they're 13 or 14 or 15. They don't end up in a lot. They might. I mean, that's the rare person and that's all well and good too. But I think like we've watched them make decisions about what sport they're playing, what hobby they're doing. I mean, if they have ADHD, we've watched them fly through a thousand different things that have felt like the most important thing. Or maybe they're struggling with a mental health, like depression, and they come out of that. And then they're like, oh my gosh, what I did during my depression was not okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't wasn't making healthy choices. Or maybe they have an addiction that they're struggling with. Whatever it is, I've learned to say to myself, and my own kids. I said it to my my uh, daughter last week. Why don't you know you can do something for three months and revisit it? Who cares? Yeah. Always the idea of like we're all still learning, we're all still growing, we're all teachers, we're all learners. I'm going to listen to your opinions. You can listen to mine. Nobody's right. I mean, there's as many opinions as people on the planet. Yeah. Absolutely. And what what gets wrong. When the system goes back is when we say, my opinion needs to be everybody's opinion. Yeah, Everybody, all of my kids, uh, my partner, whoever it is, that's like toxic, right? This is the only school you should go to. This is the only sport you should play. This is the only instrument. This is the only girl or boy or whoever partner you should have. All of that is based on one person. That's toxic. So I just think like, and her opinions change. It's great. It leaves so much openness, like just invitation to become and change and grow and evolve and learn. And I just hope I'm doing that alongside of my kids is always being willing to grow, evolve, change and learn um, alongside of them. And that I hope that that creates just a healthy relationship with my people. Well, and I love that in some ways, your use of the words opinions too, because I think so often the way we look at the world, we think of is is true. We think it's just the fact that this is the way it should be. And this is the way you're behaving. And this is the way, you know, it's the right way and the wrong way. And as long as we don't realize that that's an opinion, that that's just a perspective, we're closing ourselves off from that growth and awareness that you're talking about. And one of the things I work with my clients on is gaining that awareness because when you start to recognize your perspective is all relative, it's based on the way you think things should be, the way you want things for other people, and really taking a hard look at what that creates for you with that mindset creates in terms of how you feel and how you show up with the people you love. And if it's creating wonderful things, keep doing it. Like by all means, like continue to do the things that are working for you. But when you start to notice these ruptures in relationships, as you said, kind of got to look back at yourself. Like, how am I thinking about this situation that's causing me to show up in a way that's not creating a result I want? And really owning the fact that all of that is an opinion that you get to take ownership of and evolve to create something different, to have a result that you actually want with your kids and your life in general. Yeah, I think that's so true. I just keep thinking like my only agenda, I hate even that word, for myself is that the the my tagline, you know, like and for my kids, it's just that's really the that's really kind of like the 
the starting and ending point of it all. Because if my goal is to unconditionally love them, then no matter what choices they make in their life, and some of them are going to be harmful. Let's face it, that's also what's true. And we have to just be their safe place to land, right? Yeah. When they're being harmful and knowing when to step in the same way as and knowing what boundaries to make. All of that is important. Maybe boundaries we need to make for ourselves, you know, that they can't be X, Y, Z. They can't be in our home. They, we can't give them X, Y, Z money if they're an addict, whatever, all those big issues. Because I know a lot of your listeners are like, oh, this all sounds so well and good. But what if X, Y, Z? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you and I have both been through a lot of X, Y, and Z, and I have no idea what X, Y, and Z is still coming down the pike, but I know the one thing I can do is be responsible for myself yeah. to love, to love as well and as healthy. And boundaries, I love this about kids, boundaries, and I heard this definition, is where I love you and me simultaneously mm-hmm. absolutely, in a healthy way. Absolutely. I'm looking to love you and me simultaneously. So no, I don't get sucked into you. You don't get sucked into me. And so yeah, boundaries come in. Those are really hard. They need people need people like you and professional therapists. Like, you know, if your child, let's go to the worst case scenario, if your child is self-harming, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're still on the younger side. The first thing I did when I my I felt like I believed my child was really harming themselves mm-hmm. was I went to get my own therapy. Yeah. And my own coaching, whatever you want, however you want to do it via a coach, via a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I think that depends on how serious it is. You probably may even need a tandem. Yeah. There where I went, I was like, what what can I do? What do I need to do in this situation? Where do I step in? Where do I and then you have an objective person? And yeah, that that's what I had to do so that I'm, you know, making wise choices in that. And then also I did put some boundaries in and I said, you're going to need some therapy and some help if you continue want to continue to live here. Yeah. Absolutely. Like and that's hard. Mm-hmm. That was so hard and thankfully they made the choice to get help. Yeah. And I didn't have to make the choice to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, you know, but that's that and I, and that's not everybody's journey. That was our boundary we put in after a lot of wise counsel and coaching. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> that you was for the boundary. That. Yeah, yeah <laughs> depending on what age or stage those you can't do that to a 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it exactly. depends on so many factors, what the right nuanced boundaries where you can love yourself and them simultaneously. You know, it's it's very different. I just share that as a personal story to say, yeah, this is hard. And I don't know what's going to come up in the future. Yeah. You know what? I have no idea what's going to come up. I have zero idea. And I think we're going to keep making these decisions until we're taking our last. Oh, of course. And it never ends, the, the smothered no. journey. I think you say that as well. Right. This, this is a long journey. But it is true, this concept of boundaries, the way I've also thought about it is it's less about rules, which I think we're we're so used to putting rules in place when our kids are younger. But now that they're into this kind of wannabe adulthood slash certainly adulthood phase, boundaries are more about how we respond, like yes. how we're going to show up, the choices we're going to make if they engage in whatever behavior. And at the end of the day, that still doesn't control them. You know, this is, I'm offering you a choice. I'm offering you a consequence. This is my boundary and how I'm going to respond. But at the end of the day, they could still, as you said, make a choice to, to leave or to not get therapy or, you know, not do what we're asking them to do as the boundary. And it is hard and it requires, I think going back to the concept of us and empowering ourselves, I think sometimes it really requires a clean mind to get to the place where you're strong enough mm-hmm. and at peace enough to be able to hold a boundary like that. Because I've also worked with clients who see the option for the boundary and are so fearful of breaking the relationship. They're they're afraid of enforcing the boundary, you know, infinitely afraid of the consequences of making the wrong choice. And so that's when you kind of end up in a place where you can't hold those boundaries. And Mm -hmm. and that absolutely is a place for either therapy or coaching for you to really get clean on how do I want to show up in this moment that's really hard. Well, I'm quoting Glennon Doyle a lot. I guess she's really influential. (laughs) 
But she says, choose your hard, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard either way. And I'm always trying to choose the hard that's going to lead to life, healing, wholeness, you know, redemption, you know, restoration, all of that, love, all of those things. That's where I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to choose my hard that's going to be in the right direction instead of the wrong. And always in fits and starts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always in fits and starts, like I said. But I think it can be as simple as, what did I do with my son? Like, oh, you don't want to eat dinner? Great. I'm fine. Have at it. But we're not funding you. Yeah. We're not funding you. It's fine. But it doesn't mean, like, I didn't even have to say, we're not funding you. I just was like, I'm not going to. It's just like, it's not like if we comes to me and it's like, hey, I'm eating out with my friends. I'll be like, okay, have fun. And I don't offer them. Here's 20 bucks. Sometimes did I like want to just be kind one day and be like, oh my gosh, can you take your friend out to dinner? Just sure. But that wasn't like an expectation. It was more of a gift, right? It just came alongside and I was like, oh my gosh, here, here's 10 bucks. Go get bagels or whatever. Sorry. That's a very New Jersey thing that we do here. (laughs) I was right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think like two really, really hard things where we had to get to, we see you harming yourself and it's not really okay. We really want you to have what's best for yourself. You're old enough now to take care of yourself. You could live on your own, whatever. You're choosing to live with us. This is where we are. Again, I think it came down to the money. We're not funding the harming. We're not going to fund the harm. We can't. We're not going to, you know, we're going to make it a little bit more difficult for you. And if that's, believe me. I know some people who've actually had to make that decision and there's nothing harder for a person as a mom. I don't think there's anything harder as a mom, but I also have seen the people who haven't and and it's it's not been good. <laughs> you know, like cho- choose your heart. It is going to be, re- and that I don't say that lightly in any stretch. I remember my husband saying to me, you think we're going to be able to do this? I'm like, oh no, no. <laughs> you know, it was torture until he came to us and said, okay, I I, I need some help. Torture. I was out of my mind. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that is so interesting. I remember going through something just incredibly difficult. And my mother, who is my guru in terms of just always, she very much has that mindset of invite, don't demand, has always kind of led with such a, like a Byron Katie in my life. I mean, just such a beautiful presence. But I remember going down a dark hole with her, just like, and all of these bad things and this, and and then it's this, and then it's going to be forever and it's going to be terrible. And she just said, but what if it's all going to be fine? You know? And, and like, it's almost like when you're in these painful places, it seems like you're kidding yourself. If you were to even dare to believe that at least 50% of the possibilities are going to be beautiful, like wonderful outcomes where it's all going to work out and they're actually going to learn and grow from this experience. And there are other outcomes. And we're so focused on that, like 5%, 2%, 0%, whatever that small percentage of likelihood of the absolute worst case scenario is. And, you know, my sister actually had leukemia when um, she was a teenager. And I remember she relapsed. And I said to my mother, like, what happens if she dies? And my mother literally said, we'll miss her. And it was like, well, we're not going there yet. <laughs> you know, like, and I think that's the part, now I'm getting emotional, but that's the part where as moms, we're already there. We're already at the worst case scenario. And how do we love ourselves to know, of course, we want to avoid that, but there's so many other possibilities for life. And it's like, you have to kind of hold open that possibility that mm-hmm. it's all going to turn out okay. Yeah. And I think like I had to get to that place too, where I was like, even if the worst happens, I will be okay. Mm -hmm. I have to be okay. I will miss them. I will grieve. I will be in pain, but that's not, that's all part of the living full as a human being, all part of the human experience. And I've changed uh, my daughter, one of my daughter, my youngest, she wrote, made like all these little quotes for me a couple of years ago. And it was memories, what she loved. It was the most best Christmas. I'm a words of affirmation person. So it was the greatest thing. And she said, mom, you've taught me how to feel it all. And I think like, I always wanted a happy life and now I've won a full life. Yeah. And I think the fullness of being a mom, I want to be a full, I want a full and fullness is joy, heartache, beauty, pain, all of those things, surprise, wonder, celebration, but suffering, like all of that is what is the full mom life. And so, yeah, like your mom saying, we will miss her. Like I got a little teary eyed when you said that. And I thought she's saying to you, part of a journey, even as a mom will be grief yeah, or pain or suffering, but that's what it means. We bring them into this world through pain and suffering. (laughs) And 
yet what if it works out right? There are so many surprises around the corner. There is so much good that can happen. So much like there, all of it. So for me to be able to embrace all of it does quell that fear sometimes. I'm like, I'll have what I need when I get there. Absolutely. I'll have what I need when I get there. And I say it hurts so much because we love so much. How beautiful is that? And you would never give up that love. Yeah. And you're not willing. I would never be willing to give up the love for it not to hurt. We wouldn't even bend moms like, (laughs) this is going to hurt. We know with the day we get pregnant, like this is going to hurt (laughs) in every which way. I mean, just labor is going to hurt. And we spend so much energy fearing the hurt that's not even here yet, that worst case scenario and and almost missing the part of our life which is just unfolding in front of us which is maybe not even good or bad yet but just with this potential for risk you know and it's like when you can really see your mind and how look i think our, our brains from an evolutionary perspective are looking for danger but so yes. if we can recognize that that's just my mind trying to keep us all safe but there's only so much i can do and i love that if something were to happen, I'll get there. Like I will I'll have what to I do need. then, you know? I'll have what I need. I can say this. I can put that on my mirror and tonight I'll be like panicking. Oh, boy. I mean, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just something that I'm, I'm working toward. I'm not there yet. I'm still learning how to be healed and whole and just as a human and as a mom. But that's also, I'm just giving myself grace for that journey of like, we're all still learning. My kids are learning. I'm learning. We're It's okay. We're all in the process of learning what this means. And that's lifelong. I'm not there yet. And that's okay. And it's like my kids used to ask in the car, are we there yet? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I love no, it. <laughs> we're not. But at least we have a destination. And I feel like it's a healthy, good destination. That's my opinion. <laughs> a healthy, good destination for me to be taking one tiny, small step toward every day. And hoping I can see that my, as I model that for my kids, then they, they'll be allowed to be on their own journeys to their whole selves. So that's, that's my spiel. This is rough. I feel every mom out there who's listening. I'm here for you. I believe in you. We're limping together like a three legged race. Sometimes we're like tied and we'll make it three with three legs. (laughs) Oh, good. And it's all part of the journey, the beautiful. And, you know, I was, I laughed too. I think about all of the ups and downs I had when the kids were little and, you know, there was certainly pain of it. But when I look back, I only see the beautiful parts. So let's, we're going to get to 90 years old and we're going to look back and all of this is just going to be such a great learning experience. (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's great. Oh, you, and I love what you're doing. I think it's so valuable to have somebody who's kind of been there and in, and is doing that, but also has some tools in her tool chest that maybe a mom who would come to you for coaching doesn't necessarily have yet. Yeah. And we can just keep adding all kinds of tools to our tool chest. Absolutely. Well, Esther, it has been such an honor to have you on the podcast. I so love meeting you. Please follow Moms of Bigs if you don't already. She is just such a source of information. And I think also a community builder in this world and bringing together all of the voices that are really exploring honestly the journey that we're on. And I think you'll find yourself very much not alone in the Moms of Bigs world. So. Thank you, Esther. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Oh, you're welcome. I loved being here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and check out our coaching program, Mom 2.0 at www.thesmalljar.com. You have more power than you think, my friend.